This message is brought to you by 12 Stone Church. Pastor Jason Berry delivers this teaching entitled, Sun Stands Still. This is the fourth message in the series, Weird Stuff. We hope this serves you well. Please enjoy. Weird. So welcome to 12 Stone. Glad that y'all are here this morning with us. We're in our last week of our weird stuff in the Bible series. Like, like Pastor Mark just said, we're exploring the passages of scripture that perhaps we don't understand fully. And when we don't understand something, we label it as weird. And for most of us, if you ventured off the beaten trail of your, your normal standard verses, you got your John 3.16s, you got your Psalm 23s, when you veer off those passages, it doesn't take you too long to get to a place where you go, that's weird. I don't understand why that's in there. And what we're trying to do in this series over the past three weeks is to, is to find passages of scripture that might look weird at the onset, but maybe God wants to teach us some wisdom through even the weird stuff in scripture. So today's story of the weird sort of part of the Bible is perhaps the weirdest so far in the series. Some Christian uh, theologians would say it's the largest single miracle record, recorded in scripture since creation. This is massive. It's a story of a man just like you and I, normal person, who was kind of in over his head and offered a crazy prayer, and God answered in a crazy way. What's the story we're talking about today? Well, we'll get there in a second, but let me start here. How many of you remember life before DVRs for your television? Anybody? Just curious? Those of you who don't have your hand up, you don't know. You don't know what life looked like in the dark ages, man. It was, you used to have to, think about this, like millennials, think about this. You used to have to be in front of your television when the show was on or you didn't see the show. Some of your minds just popped in your head. What? This is how it used to be in the olden times when I walked uphill to school both directions. It was tough. We had to watch commercials. What? I remember Friday nights, T-G-I-F. Anyone remember T-G-I-F Friday nights? Come on now. If you weren't in front of the TV at eight, you miss Steve Urkel and she gone. You miss it. <laughs> See, that's how life used to be. And then I was handed this little beauty, <laughs> a DVR remote. When I was handed this, I felt like they gave me Thor's hammer and like lightning came down from heaven. It was a gift from God. I realized I felt like a demigod. Like I could pause the television and rewind and fast forward. I could record things. I was no longer enslaved by the network television telling me when I had to watch my show. I could watch it when I wanted to and darn it, I don't have to watch commercials anymore. Praise God. Can I get an amen? It's a beautiful thing. And if you like to buy a DVR remote on the way out, I'm just kidding. It's a beautiful thing. See, these have saved more marriages than perhaps any invention on the planet. You know what this says? Daddy's not watching The Bachelorette anymore, right? Mommy can watch it in the other room. It's a beautiful thing. Some of you guys who watch Bachelor Bachelorette just hang your head in shame. This is the appropriate time. So what does this have to do with our story today? You see, this, the story today is sort of like if God had a cosmic DVR remote. 
where God just decided to push pause on the universe for, for a day, to push pause on the solar system for a day. It's a pretty incredible story. Like I said, one of the weirdest we've talked about. The story we're talking about today comes from Joshua 10. It's the story of when God made the sun stand still in the sky. Crazy story. See, this story is weird. It's, this story is, is kind of a, a mind-blowing sort of size and scale, but it's incredibly important to our development. See, why don't you go ahead and grab your Bibles. We're gonna turn to page 222 in Joshua 10, the triple deuce, 222, Joshua 10. We're gonna, we're gonna look at this story together. And while you're turning there, I want you to know my hope for today, my hope for us is that God would enlarge our view of him and he would enlarge the way we pray, enlarge the way we engage him in relationship because this story is pretty weird. So let me set the scene for you. What was happening at the time of this story? So in Joshua 10, the book of Joshua is about a man named, take a guess, Joshua. Good job. Well done. One point for you. Story, this whole book is about this man named Joshua. See, Joshua grew up under the tutelage of Moses. He was an apprentice leader to Moses. And so Joshua got to watch as Moses showed up and rescued the Israelites from Egyptian slavery. And, and Joshua got to watch as Moses led them to the edge of the Red Sea and they couldn't cross and the, and the army from Egypt was, was pursuing and, and Moses prayed on the shore and the Red Sea parted and they walked across on dry land. And then Joshua got to watch as, as Moses led the people through the wilderness for 40 years. And Moses prayed and God provided every day manna from heaven to feed them for 40 years. Joshua got to watch all this play out. And then Moses passed away and God said, Joshua, you're now the new leader of Israel. You're, you're now leading my people. And Joshua's task, God said, listen, you're gonna take the Israelites into the promised land, the land I have promised for you, and you're gonna take out everyone in there and make that land yours. So Joshua continues towards the promised land. He gets there, the Jordan River's running in between them and the promised land, and much like Moses, Joshua offers a prayer, and God parts the Jordan River. They walk across on dry land, and then they send 12, one, one person from each tribe, 12 men back into the river and pull these 12 rocks out of the river and stack them up as, as a remembrance to God's mighty and rescuing hand. And if that story sounds familiar, that's where we get our name as a church, 12 Stone Church. And so if you wanna know more about that, read in Joshua 4. See, and then Joshua continues into the promised land. It didn't take long for the people who already lived there in the promised land to start hearing stories of this Joshua dude and start hearing stories of, of the God that he served and how powerful and massive this God was. And so the people in the promised land started to get a little bit scared. And the Gibeonites, the city of Gibeon in particular, heard about Joshua and the Israelites and said, listen, we gotta go make this thing right or they're gonna steamroll over us. So the Gibeons went to Joshua and formed a peace treaty. And Joshua said, if you'll be our servants, we'll honor that peace treaty and we won't attack you and we'll protect you. And so Joshua makes this treaty with Gibeon and then the other five kings in the territory start to hear about it. And as you can imagine, they're not happy. So those five kings come together into kind of one super epic army and all five kingdoms begin to head towards Gibeon to attack the city that made a treaty with Joshua and the Israelites. And that's where our story picks up. Joshua 10, verse six, let's read together. 
Joshua 10.6, the Gibeonites then sent word to Joshua in the camp at Gilgal, do not abandon your servants. Come up to us quickly and save us. Help us because all the Amorite kings from the hill country have joined forces against us. So Joshua marched up from Gilgal with the entire army, including all the best fighting men. And the Lord said to Joshua, do not be afraid of them. I have given them into your hand. Not one of them will be able to withstand you. After an all-night march from Gilgal, Joshua took them by surprise. So let's pause. So Joshua gets the message. Gilgal needs, or Gibeon needs help. Joshua marches all night uphill to get to the battle. And they show up, and the passage continues to, to kind of roll out, and it says that, that God threw the enemy army into confusion. So their ranks were all messed up, and they couldn't fight very well. And Joshua and the Israelites attacked and began to just rout them. And they start to run and flee and retreat, and Joshua and his people continue, and they chase after them. And then it says in verse 11 that, that God sent hailstones from heaven, striking down the enemy. It says that God killed more soldiers on the enemy side than Joshua did with his swords. We're not even to the weird part yet, by the way. <laughs> and so the story continues, and Joshua starts to look to the sky and realizes the sun is starting to set. He was still engaged in battle. The war was not over. The battle was not done, and yet the sun was starting to set, and Joshua knew if the sun sets, the battle's over. They didn't have flashlights or floodlights. They were done. When the sun sets, it's kind of like a big timeout. We'll see you tomorrow morning. And what would have happened is the five armies would have gone back to their fortified cities. And Joshua would have had to go fight against them in their strong positions. It would have taken months or years to do what God wanted to do in one moment. The sun was setting. You ever felt that way? You ever felt like you were watching the sun set on something that you were saying, God, it can't set there. And like Joshua, you needed the sun to stay up for just one more day. God, I need, you, I need you to hold that sun. God, if you'd just give me one more day. God, if you would just give me one more ounce of strength, one more ounce of hope, one more ounce of tenacity, I'll keep fighting. See, that's where Joshua was. And what did Joshua do? Joshua made perhaps one of the boldest, most audacious prayers in all of scripture. Let's pick up in verse 12. On the day the Lord gave the Amorites over to Israel, Joshua said to the Lord in the presence of Israel, Son, stand still over Gibeon, and you moon over the valley of Ajalon. So the sun stood still and the moon stopped till the nation avenged itself on its enemies. As it is written in the book of Jasher, the sun stopped in the middle of the sky and delayed going down about a full day. There has never been a day like it or since. A day when the Lord listened to a human being. Surely the Lord was fighting for Israel. So Joshua saw the sun setting. He prayed and God grabbed his cosmic DVR <laughs> and he paused the sun for a full next day. Wow. If you're like me, stories like that mess with me, if I'm just honest. I read stories like that and I look at myself in the mirror and go, how do I measure up? <laughs> See, I ask questions of myself, questions stir in my soul. What would have existed at the core of a man like Joshua that would give him the boldness to, to request something like that from God? See, what, what sits in the soul of a person like that that, that lets you pray like that? Now, before we get to application driven here, I wanna just pause and deal with the elephant in the room for a second. 
If you've passed sixth grade science, this story is like making your brain want to explode in your head a little bit. You're going, wait a second here. I, I paid attention, and I know, first of all, the earth rotates around the sun. Come on, scientists, let's get this right. The earth, how in the world would God make this work? That's a fair question. And I'll give you the best answer we have. We don't know exactly how God did this. We don't know. I've read dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of pages of pages of research. They say this is one of the most researched passages in all of scripture. And you could read 10 different papers from 10 different Christian scientists, theologians, and they might each have a very different bent on how God might have accomplished this. See, some would tell us that he used light refraction and the, the fog that was there on the battlefield to kind of light the, the battlefield. Others would say that it was a kind of a weird cloud cover and some sort of an eclipse. Some would say that God just peeled back the veil of heaven and his glory lit the battlefield. And a lot of them would say, literally, we take it literal, that God, from the Israelites' perspective, God just paused the sun for a full day. Now, I don't know what he did. I don't know how he did it. But I do know that all of creation bows to God. You get that, right? God created, we call it creation because God created it and God could do whatever he wants inside creation. What is supernatural to us is just natural to him. And we, we know that, that it's easier for God to make the sun stand still in the sky than it is for my wife and I to make my four-year-old son stand still in checkout at Walmart, right? <laughs> this is nothing to God. And here's our danger. We can, we can take the things we don't understand and use them as an excuse to hide from the things we do understand. That's why weird passages in scripture are tricky because we can just kind of brush things under the rug and excuse ourselves when in fact I think God wants to challenge us today. See, our question in this story shouldn't be how did God do this? Our question should be what should our response be to a story like this? And I think Joshua would tell us this. If you're taking notes, this is what I believe Joshua would say. This is a big idea from the story we're gonna sit in today. Here it is. We can pray audacious prayers. If Joshua came back, stood right here and said, guys, I wanna teach you something from, from what I learned in this day, the sun stood still. It's this, we can pray audacious prayers. Just like Joshua, there are things in our world that feel out of our control. There are places that it feels like the sun's setting and God's telling us, you can bring this stuff to me. Nothing is too big to bring to me and nothing is too insignificant to bring to me. You can pray audacious prayers, but if you're anything like me, over time, my prayers begin to shrink. You notice that? Over time, the things I pray for start to get smaller. The, the way I believe God for things gets smaller and they start to shrink to the size of my problems and my fear. And perhaps God has you here this weekend to remind you, you can pray audacious prayers. And we've all offered prayers pretty frequently in our life. We all have the quick little under our breath prayers. When you were in high school, you drove to school and you prayed, God, don't let there be a quiz. Please, Father, don't let there be a quiz. Some of you have prayed on the way home late for curfew. Some of you, maybe last night, students, you prayed last night on the way home from curfew. God, please don't let my parents be waiting up for me. We know the feeling. All of us have prayed when you pass a cop while speeding. God, don't let him pull out. <laughs> don't let him turn the blues on me, Father. Those of you who are single, you've prayed on the way to a first date. God, let them look like their profile picture. 
Don't catfish me, Jesus, please. (laughs) Some of y'all got catfished. I can hear it. I don't know that there's a place on earth that has more prayers or more cuss words offered than Spaghetti Junction, right? You've been there. That's the place of prayer. We've all prayed the quick little one-off under your breath prayers, but if we're honest, for some of us, maybe for most of us, there's places where we got stuff that's bigger than we can control. We got places where if, if we were just honest, God, I need you to make the sun stand still here in my life. I'll never forget going to our 20-week appointment to go find out the gender for our last son. We didn't know at the time, but our last child. And we sat there, and the uh, the tech came out and said, I read the the ultrasound, and it looks as though there's some major uh, malformalities, and there's going to be some birth defects. And just, in that moment, I was watching the sunset on what I believed our family was gonna look like, and I never prayed like that before in my life. A week later, we got the call, and they misread the, the, the thing, and everything was gonna be okay, but man, in that season, did I not have a moment where I needed the God of the universe to make the sun stand still. I'll never forget my first year of marriage. For most, it's a honeymoon. For us, it was a nightmare. <laughs> Neither one of us knew how selfish and arrogant we were until someone else got up in our business and... I laid on my face in our, in our master bedroom night after night begging God, I, I can't fix this. I can't fix myself. God, if you don't make the sun stand still over this, this marriage, it ain't gonna work. I sat in living rooms across 12 stone with dozens and dozens of you over the years where you've, you've been in places where you're watching the, the sun set on your marriage you're watching the sun set on what your hopes and dreams were for your kids. You're watching the sun set over business dreams. You're watching the sun set over your character. There's places where you are watching your future and the sun is setting and you're begging God to make the sun stand still. See, I think in the landscape of our life, there are a lot of things that are out of our control and I think Joshua would tell us, listen, you can bring those things to God. You can pray audacious prayers. But the question becomes, how do we do that? Because if our prayers tend to shrink over time, our view of God starts to shrink over time, how do we pray like Joshua? I think he'd tell us three things. If you're taking notes, we're gonna move quick. But these three things I believe Joshua would teach us. Here's the first if you're taking notes. Pray like you know who you're talking to. Pray like you know who you're talking to. Joshua made an audacious prayer because he knew his audience. I wouldn't ask a college student for a business loan, let alone $100, because I know who I'm talking to. You're broke, right? Know your audience. Joshua knew who he was talking to. See, Ephesians 3 tells us who we're talking to. We're talking to a God who could do exceedingly, abundantly more than we can even ask or think. And Joshua had a long relationship with God where he knew who he was talking to. See, my wife and I are in a season with our kids. Um, where we're trying to teach them who we are as their parents. Stick with me for a second. We're we're trying to help them understand who we are as their parents. And my oldest son, Luke's in this season, it's been going on, he's nine years old, it's been going on for about eight and a half years, um, where he likes to pick on his sister. And he likes, older siblings, this is you, and how dare you, younger siblings, you're gonna feel for my daughter. My son loves to go into her room and tell her things that make her sad so she'll cry. 
Have you been there, right? It's not rocket science here. We've all seen it. So he'll go into a room and he'll be like, Lizzie, here's a deal. Um, just had a little quick powwow with mom and dad. Um, we sold the house today and we're moving and you're gonna stay here. We're not taking you with us. <laughs> Come on, dude. So what does Lizzie do? She doesn't go, that's stupid. She cries. And so she's bawling. She runs downstairs and she comes to us and we're going, are you hurt? Have you been stabbed? This is, you're crying like crazy. And what happened? She goes, why are you selling the house and leaving me here forever by myself? And we're going, what are you talking about? And she's like, well, Luke told me. We're like, Luke. <laughs> and so her world's just spinning and she doesn't know what to do. And so here's, here's what we started asking her. We started saying, Lizzie, listen. Does that sound like something mommy and daddy would do? She said, no. She's still crying, by the way. It takes a while. (laughs) Lizzie, have we ever done that to you before? No. See, what are we doing? We're trying to teach her about our nature. We we need her to know at the core who we are. Because there will be times in her life when she doesn't know what's true and things are shaky and she needs a foundation to plant her feet on so that she can say, I I don't know if that's true or not, Luke, but I know what's true of mom and dad and that's not something they do. The same thing's true in the way we pray. When you don't know what or how to pray and if you've not been there yet, you will be there. Lean into God's nature. When you get to a place where things are out of control and you're going, I wish I could pray bigger, bolder, more audacious prayers, I just can't muster it. Lean into his nature. God is omnipotent. God is omniscient. God is omnipresent. God is rich in love. He's slow to anger. He's active and present. He is loving and good. And when things are shaky and the foundation gets weird and you go, my prayers are shrinking to the size of my fear and the size of my circumstances, lean into the nature of God. See, how did Joshua pray that prayer? That wasn't just bad pizza and he just threw up, I don't know, make the sun stand still. This is Joshua after years and years of watching the nature of God. He watched God provide manna from heaven for 40 years. Why? Because God's a provider. That's his nature. He watched as God parted the Red Sea so that that the Israelites could escape the Egyptians. Why? Because God is powerful. He watched as God had the walls of Jericho fall. All those things, his history with God impacted his present prayers. And when your prayers get small, get back to this. Pray like you know who you're talking to. If your prayers require something bigger than you, they're just the right size for God. Pray like you know who you're talking to. The second thing I think that Joshua would teach us is this. Pray like you know what he can do. Pray like you know what he can do. See, we have to lean into his personhood. Who is God? That's, that's, the, that's the character and nature of God. And then we have to lean into the power of God. What can he do? See, one of my favorite passages in all of scripture is verse 14 in this story. It says this, surely the Lord was fighting for Israel. It's a quick statement, but catch it. Surely the Lord was fighting for Israel. If I died and people could say, surely the Lord was fighting for Jason, You know the Lord wants to fight for you. Let that settle in. See, God will fight when we are fighting on his agenda. You don't have to go ask a Bible scholar if God wants to fight for your marriage. 
he does. Why? Because it's God's agenda you stay married. He wants to fight for your marriage. He wants to fight for your kids. He wants to fight for your purity and your character. He wants to fight for people in your life, family and friends who are far from God. He wants to fight for his church. You don't have to pray timid prayers. You can pray audacious prayers. See, God can do more in a moment than we can do in a lifetime. So yes, get marriage counseling, but pray. Yes, discipline your kids, but pray. Son, stand still prayers over your kids. Yes, strive for purity in your character, but pray. Yes, work hard for your business and your vocational goals, but, but pray. If you have the audacity to ask, God has the ability to act. If we have the audacity to act, God has the ability to act. And I think my kids get this better than I do sometimes. My, my, my four-year-old, my youngest, when he was three, he has audacity to ask anybody for anything. He's never shy. He'll ask you for the shirt off your back, and you'll be like, I guess so. He just got that way about him. He's been to Chick-fil-A enough to know what the, what the Chick-fil-A employees behind the counter can do for him. And whenever he can, he sneaks away. And if I don't see him for 30 seconds, I know what he's going to have in his hand, ice cream cone. Every time he goes to Chick-fil-A, he sneaks off and goes and kind of bats his eyes at the little teenage girls behind the counter and goes, can I please have ice cream? And they go, yep, here you go. And he comes back just licking. I got my ice cream cone. See, I think kids sometimes have more audacity than we do. And God invites us, listen, pray like you know what I can do for you. But we've got to tell the whole story. Sometimes we pray and beg God to make the sun stand still and it pauses in the sky and miraculously God rescues. Sometimes we pray and ask God to make the sun stand still and it still sets. Let's get real for a second. There's places that we have begged God and he has answered the way we thought and hoped he would and there's times we've prayed and asked God and he's not answered in the way we thought he would. But listen, even if God doesn't make the sun stand still over your situation, he can calm the storms in your soul. Sometimes God will use his power to pause the sun. Sometimes he will use his presence to still our soul. I've seen God rescue his people with his power in their circumstances and I've seen God rescue his people with his presence in their souls. And this is not a cop out. Don't hear this be a cop-out from audacious prayers. When we pray audacious prayers, God invites us in, and he will either pause the sun or still our souls. And if it's just, just stilling our souls, listen, some problems can only be solved in the presence of God. And sometimes his presence is the miracle. So when I pray, I don't know what God's gonna do. I don't. But when I pray, I know there is too much at stake to let the battles in my life go uncontested. So that brings us to the third point. Pray like you know what's at stake. Pray like you know what's at stake. Pray like you understand what's happening. Joshua, when he prayed that prayer, son, stand still over Gibeon. It's a bold prayer. He prayed that way because he knew what was at stake. And sometimes when you realize what's at stake, you pray different, hopefully. And for me, I know what's at stake for, for my family, for my kids, for my life. But I think sometimes we can miss what's at stake in the next generation. So I've prayed this prayer for my kids since they've been born almost 10 years now. I've prayed, God, 
why my kids are in my home before they leave my home and go into the real world and live on their own? Would you allow them to experience a move of God so powerful, so unexplainable, so undeniable that it could only be attributed to you? And would you use that to help them never walk away from you? God, will my kids taste and see your power and your move so much so that they could never walk away from you? See, I pray that way because my dad shared a story with me from his up, growing up years. He was 19. His father was a pastor in a church about 30 people, middle of nowhere, like 100 people in the whole town. And uh, my, my, my grandfather called my dad and said, you gotta come home. God's doing something. I've never seen this before. You gotta come see it. And so my dad comes home from college, probably 19, comes back to this little bitty country church, and this place is packed, three, 400 people, packed to capacity. Towns, the town's 100 people. And my dad watches as the altars are lined and people are laying on their face, weeping before God, confessing sin. Like, what? Pouring out, confessing sin. He's watched friends or families that were, were at odds with each other for generations, generational feuds that just in a moment, God just redeemed it all, fixed it in a moment. People that you look at in the town, the town drunk shows up, smelling like alcohol, falls on his face, begs God for forgiveness. In a moment, his addiction's gone. Drug addicts, their addictions are gone in the moment. Marriages that are falling apart and broken, in a moment, God reconciles things. And my dad stood in the back of the room and just wept. He'd never seen God do this before. He'd never seen the power of God on display like that. And, and he stood there and God sort of hammered a tent post into his heart that day, a place that his life was tethered on. So when things get tough, when things get weird, when he doesn't know what to pray, God uses that as a tent post going, listen, I don't know what's going on now, but I know that I've seen the power of God on display. 12 stone, I pray for that for our kids. That whole second floor is full of kids oh God, if you'd let them see your power like that. See, Kevin has said it this way. He said, we're a sending church. 12 stone, we can't send what we don't train. We've got a short window with these kids to train them up and prepare them to send them into the world. And we are in this season begging God for an awakening, a move so powerful that our kids would see it and could never walk away from God. See, what does the sun standing still look like now? I've never had to pray to ask God to make the sun stop in the sky. In fact, I pray he puts it down earlier because it's hot, right? I don't pray, stay up. <laughs> Y'all HVAC bills would be mad if it had that happen. I don't pray that. But I think the sun stands still now looks something like a father who had no interest in God, had no desire for the things of God, and God brings conviction and he realizes for the first time my sin is keeping me from God and realizes that holy cow, I, there are consequences for my sin and death is a thing and that's, eternity is a long time and he says yes to Jesus. And my favorite picture at 12 Stone is when a father gets baptized and his kids are watching. Their kids are watching the sun stand still over their dad. See, God paused the sun, if you will, over his life and paused the consequences of his sin and, and what death and what, what that would look like. And he paused because of what Jesus did on the cross and gave grace and he said yes to Jesus. The son stood still for that man. 
The sun stands still every time a marriage is falling apart and there's no way a counselor or a book or a self-help or Tony Robbins himself could fix it. And you look at it and go, what do we do? And God in a moment re-softens hearts and brings affection back and love back and heals a marriage. The sun stood still over that couple. See, the sun stands still all over the place. Here is our danger. Listen, our danger is we can quit fighting because we forget what's at stake. Listen to me. We can quit fighting because we forget what's at stake. When Joshua said, sun stands still in the sky, when he said it, the Israel army had already been fighting for almost two days. Catch up here. They walked all night long to get to the battle. All night, like in the dark, nighttime, supposed to be sleeping. Walk all night long, get to the battle. They fight all day long. I guarantee there were some soldiers that were looking forward to the sun going down. Let me pull up a rock and take a snooze. I'm exhausted. And Joshua said, sun stands still. Some of them had to go, come on, dude. I can't swing another sword. I'm worthless. Let me sleep. See, we're at risk of that. See, when, when the move of God becomes more about entertainment to you than engaging to you, we're in trouble. As a church, we have got to lean in We need to lean in and fight for our marriages, for our families, for our character, for this church. We need to lean in and fight because the next generation around us is at stake. See, when I read Joshua 10, I'm encouraged because my view of God gets larger. The same God who created the world can hold the sun in the sky, can hear my prayers. I'm encouraged to pray different, to pray bigger, to pray bolder, more audacious prayers. And I'm encouraged that, you know what, there are places where it's out of my control. I don't know what God's gonna do when I pray, but there's too much at stake to let it go uncontested. So let me ask you two questions today. First of all this, where do you need the sun to stand still in your life? If you were honest, if there was one place, if you could make one prayer that God would hear and answer like you want him to, what would it be? Where do you need the sun to stand still? I don't know where it is, I don't know what God's gonna do but he invites us to pray audacious prayers. Secondly, where have your prayers shrunk? Where have you stopped praying audaciously? Maybe when you were younger, you used to pray bigger prayers and you knew God could do more. Where have your prayers shrunk? See, and the cool thing about the sun stands still is Joshua made a prayer and God held the sun in the sky for an individual person and I think God wants to do that, but also I think God invites us as a church to pray prayers that he wants the sun to stand still on behalf of us. 